The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your host, Peggy Kaczynski, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster at NBC Chicago for 17 years. I'm the baby boomer. Jason is my son and co-host. He is finishing up his finals from his freshman year at UT Austin. He is Generation Z. We don't always get along, but we both share a passion for sports, and sports conversation really does bring us together. Jason is going to join us after part two here of our interview with Dr. Scott Goldman. Thank you, everyone who has downloaded and subscribed to the Sportscaster and Her Son podcast. Part one of our interview with Dr. Scott Goldman was very, very interesting, and it was long, and so we are going to bring you part two of that conversation, a follow-up conversation with the good doctor, because midway through this interview, we get the okay from Justin Fields' agent. He gives us his blessing to talk in depth about Fields' AIQ test results. The conversation is so interesting, so compelling. If you are a Chicago Bears fan, it is going to give you confidence in the Bears' new quarterback. You know, there's already a billboard of Justin Fields in a Bears uniform in Georgia. But if the AIQ test is correct, and remember, it's not a predictor of success, but it can certainly contribute to how Matt Nagy and the coaches work with Justin Fields and bring him along. If it all works out like it possibly could and like the AIQ test results suggest, yeah, there's going to be a few more billboards of Justin Fields in Chicago this time. Okay, now I have questions about the the, the questions. Um, sure. Are they, okay, are, they differ for the position. Let, let's stay in football since this is coming right after the NFL draft. So do the questions differ depending on the position the player plays? They do not. So see, that would kind of fall under that knowledge bucket, okay. right? So you could ask task-specific stuff, but that goes to knowledge and experience. That doesn't go to intelligence. Intelligence would be about how do you solve that. And so what's interesting now that we're talking about the construct of the AIQ that I think is really neat is that when we designed it, we purposely designed it to be robust to socioeconomic status, race, religion, country of origin, language dominance. Etc. So, for example, in this year's draft, we tested about 390 players. Of the 390 players, uh, of the top 11 scores, nine of them were uh, people of color or minorities. And so, one of the things that other tests have been accused of, and, and the literature supports, is that they are culturally biased. 
Mm. And we're not. And so what's nice for us is like major league baseball teams will use the AIQ and they'll take them down to the Latin American academies where there's players training there. And then again, there's some teams over in Europe that are using it. And, And so we can assess true intelligence and that comes from the items that we constructed and use um, because we don't. So for example, other tests, like the one of the, it's a language based test. It asks questions that you have to read. Like Jane can sit next to Paul. Paul can sit next to Susie. Where does Dave sit? We don't ask those kinds of questions. We ask people, we actually have people go through a series of puzzles and tasks. So to someone who's not familiar with intelligence testing, if they were to take our test, they would almost think of it kind of like playing games like Candy Crush. Mm. You know, these games that you'll put on your phone that help kill time. So it's like pattern recognition games and stuff like yeah. that. Um, for those of us that are a little bit older, myself included, it's, it's you know, it's Tetris. And so, and so what we find from the players that we uh, that take the AIQ, the two comments that we hear most is, damn, that was really hard. And that was a lot of fun. It was so much better than reading and answering questions. So do you think that, be, how long has your test been around now? How many years? Uh, we we started building it in about 1998, but we didn't bring it to market until 2012 because we really wanted to ensure the integrity and the capture of what we were measuring. Is there a correlation with the, this is a generation of video game kids, um, them being able to take your test in a, a better way, a different way than the standard sit down, ask a question, write down your answer that we all think of, you know, taking tests for the past, you know, 50 years. Uh, Yours might be more image driven. Um, Is there a correlation with that? So that's a great question. I mean, really, that's a very insightful question. One of the things that I would say is that was something we took into consideration, you know, um, Taking tests, our test is done on an iPad. So taking a test even on an iPad or a tablet was a very, very new concept. I know it doesn't feel like a long time ago, but, you know, nine, ten years ago when we started this, uh, bring it to market, it was a very new concept to do it this way. Most tests were still standardized on paper, pencil. So we, again, followed the American Psychological Association's ethical guidelines for test construction. And that was one of the things that we had to look into was how much are we miscapturing someone's intelligence Mm -hmm. based off of the mechanism of delivery of the test. And, and our goal wasn't just to test, you know, guys in the NFL, our goal was to test people all over the world. And though to your point, um, having access to electronics is pretty prevalent in America. uh, I think there is some statistic out there that something like less than 3% of, of the world has access to computers or some, some kind of wild stat. I wouldn't quote me on it. Yeah. So, so, you know, with, with some of the major league baseball teams, for example, that we work with some of the players that they find and want to assess in the Latin American countries where there's a high level of poverty, they do not have as much familiarity. Yeah. And so we needed to ensure the integrity of our test could handle 
um, some of the rigors and advancement and influence of some of the wealthier countries like Sweden or Switzerland, as well as some of the more um, impoverished countries. And so we took all of that into consideration when we constructed the test. So in intelligence in terms of acquiring and processing information, I can totally understand that when it comes to a quarterback reading the defense, you know, when a linebacker moves over here or a defensive back drops in, you know, what do you see? I understand that and how uh, coaches and teams want to, to know how their quarterback is able to process that. Same thing with an offensive lineman, same thing with a running back. Um Give me some ideas of some other positions in football or even with baseball and and basketball, because you do the NBA as well, where this comes into play. Like, what is it that this is helpful to know with an athlete that plays X position? Sure. So one of our more common narrow abilities involves the concept of spatial awareness, knowing where you are in relation to your opponents, key landmarks, um, teammates, right? So imagine uh, a task like a pinata where, where your job is to, to whack a pinata. And so what do they do? They blindfold you. They spin you around a couple of times till you're disoriented. And then you have to somehow recalibrate where you are in relation to space and, and, the, and the, you know, dummy full of, of candy. Right. The toy full of candy. So, or the beer. <laughs> Let's be right. honest. <laughs> there you go. That's right. Whatever, whatever you want to fill it with, right? And so I think in sports, that spatial awareness becomes a really neat element. So in basketball, it's imagine a ball handler because it's such a fluid position. So imagine a ball handler, um, you know, rebound comes, outlet pass goes to the ball handler, whether, you know, the point forward or the, or the guard, um, the point guard they now rotate 180 degrees and initiate an offensive attack. Well, that 180-degree rotation now becomes something where they have to recalibrate. Okay, where am I and where's everybody else? And mm-hmm. how, quickly can I, how quickly can I identify all of that? Mm-hmm. In, in soccer, it would be the same thing, like a center midfielder who um, has to be aware of that 360-degree surrounding. In baseball, you could talk about a, a center fielder who's tracking a fly ball and having to know where the warning track is and where the wall is. Uh, they, and you'll see this, right? Like, or, or like a pop-up fly where the catcher's tracking that ball, tracking that ball, but has to remember where the dugout is. Exactly. And, and, and so initially people thought, oh, man, they're so focused. That's why he's falling into the dugout. Or, oh, he's so focused. That's why he slammed into the wall. And what we discovered was sometimes it was because they were focused and they were willing to put their body in harm's way. And sometimes it was, oh, I thought I had five more feet. Mm, There's spatial awareness. That's that's right. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So I know you can't. All right. We're all going to be excited about Justin Fields. I'm guessing, um, have you taken, have you tested most of the quarterbacks the last couple of years in the draft? Like you said, there's always a smaller number of them. Have you tested most of them that we would be aware of in the, the early rounds, like whether it was a Patrick Mahomes or a Mitch Trubisky those years, the, the years yeah. that it really hurt the Bears? <laughs> well, I can't attest to him hurting the Bears or not, but yes, we have tested, we have tested most of, of the quarterbacks for the last 
five years, especially. Is there anyone that is retired that you tested that, um, that you're not surprised at all, either that they were out of the league early or that they're headed to the hall of fame? Uh, yeah, there's a few that I think the AIQ data helps explain part of what's going on with the performance. But, you know, where, where I go and when I talk to head coaches, when I talk to GM, I, I, I always try to put this out there. I think there's four buckets of a comprehensive athletic profile. Physical bucket, the experience bucket or the knowledge bucket, right? So mm-hmm. physical bucket is, are you big? Are you strong? Are you fast? That knowledge bucket goes back to, you know, you're, you're hardly going to miss on getting a linebacker from Alabama. Like, what they teach there and how they go about their system just really matches well with today's game Mm -hmm. in the NFL. Then you have the AIQ bucket, you know, the intelligence bucket, which is the ability to acquire process and apply information. And then the final bucket is personality. You know, what's this guy like in the locker room? What's his work ethic like? Is he a good leader? Is he somebody who loves ball? Is he somebody who's going to be constantly getting into trouble? All those things. If it was easy to figure out the algorithm between those buckets and their sub variables to identify who's going to be a winner and who's going to be a bust. Um, I, I would charge a lot more money. If I had that in my back pocket, I would be charging a lot more money. It would yeah, also be right? the death of sport, you know, because yeah. you just go, Oh, player A is always going to be player B. So the fact that these things are fluid and movable and functional, like for example, over time, one's physical abilities can diminish. Um, over time, one's personality can fluctuate. Like, for example, um, when you have children, it sometimes changes the way you see life. When mm-hmm. you become a millionaire, it can change the way that you see the value of money. Like, so so um, one nice thing about intelligence, just as a side note, is intelligence is a genetically stable trait, so it doesn't change. So of those four buckets, intelligence is one of the ones that analytic teams, analytic-driven teams, really like because of its stability. But going back to your question, uh, we have definitely seen patterns and we have definitely seen things that have explained or partially explained would be the better way to phrase it or mm-hmm. contributed to success. But we've also seen things where it's like, wow, um, that guy scored really low. He's had a great career. And then we'll talk to the coaches and they'll say, yeah, his physical bucket is unbelievable and his personality bucket, like he's first in the building and he's last to leave. Like, so you know, there is this relationship. I think what most coaches and GMs desire is a player who's just superior in all four domains. Right. It's just, those, those are, like, you know, people talk about unicorns or generational talent or whatever the cliche way of phrase. It's the bottom line is, those are just really rare individuals. But when you find one, forget it. I mean, it changes the way people do not just the game, but sometimes even the history of the sport. Well, I hope I, I hope Justin Fields is a unicorn then for the Bears. Okay, so Dr. Goldman, hang on one second, because we've been talking about how you're protecting the confidentiality of your clients. And we just found out from... Justin Fields' agent, that it's okay 
to talk about Justin's scores. So this is exciting to us because now we can finally say yay or nay to what we have heard um, hearsay in some other reports. So let's let's talk about Justin Fields. What do you remember about giving him the test, this quarterback from Ohio State? Sure. So I think there's a few things that stood out. Um, and, and I'm so glad that, that um, they've, they've granted that permission. I think that's great because honestly his scores I think are something to be very proud of. Um, you know, the first thing that stands out is his scores are very consistent and parallel with a couple of league MVPs uh, and Super Bowl winners of recent late. So he has a profile that matches some of that performance that we've seen. Remember you were asking earlier about, you know, trends. And so, he's consistent with some of the people who, who are trending very high right now in the league. Um, the other thing that was exceptional was that um, he had no identified weaknesses. Like all of his scores were either um, average, above average, or superior. Oh my and I gosh. think that's really noticeable because most people have at least one or two weaknesses somewhere. He, uh, he had no weaknesses in his profile, which I thought was really impressive from a cognitive standpoint. And then the thing that I think was most impressive was there's, there's an area called learning efficiency, which is your ability to download information and then recall it later. And that's the test that he feeling out, meaning he got a perfect score on it, two standard deviations above the norm. He was in the 99th percentile, meaning if you tell him something, he's apt to remember it and remember it quickly uh, and recall it later with accuracy which I think has a real advantage when it comes to the quarterback position, given how much they have to learn. So you can either give them a bigger playbook and they can digest it as fast as somebody doing an average playbook, or you can give them an average playbook and they'll get it faster than those that, um, than those that, that are scoring an average score on the learning efficiency category. Back to our interview with Dr. Goldman in just a moment. But first... Have you ever dealt with bunions? I have. It got to the point that I couldn't even wear any shoes without having shooting pain. Even at night, I couldn't even pull the covers over my foot. It hurt so bad. It didn't matter if I was wearing slippers or boots, gym shoes working out, or heels for a night out. The pain was intolerable. I finally decided to do something about it. That's when I heard about Foot First Podiatry and their exclusive procedure, the Sklar Bunionectomy. It has you on your feet the day after surgery. Are you kidding? Well, I had to see it to believe it. And you know what? They were right. Surgery was easy. I am so glad I did it. I walked out of surgery in a boot, no cast, no crutches, walking the same day. And you can be back in a gym shoe in two weeks. When I look at my foot now, there's no visual scar. And best of all, I am pain-free. So ladies and guys, don't walk around in pain like I did for years. Visit footfirst.com. And now back to our interview. So could that also be the same for, say, not just learning the playbook, um, but could it be the same for seeing a defense that maybe he hadn't seen before? Uh, he sees it one time, and then he recognizes it the next time. Yeah, so that's a great example and something that we often highlight is, let's say <clears throat> the mic 
I, you know, the Mike flares something to him that he doesn't recognize in the, in the first quarter and it gets him, you know, it tricks him, it fools him. If they, if the defensive coordinator for the other team uh, thinks, all right, we got him in the first quarter on this, let's on this disguised coverage, let's do it again in the third quarter. He's apt to remember what happened in the first quarter. And hopefully if the you know offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach gives him some correction after that experience, he's apt to then say, okay, I remember what you all did in the first quarter. I remember what my coaches told me was the correction. Now in the third quarter, I am going to outflank that. So it's like that old adage, like fool me once, you know, fool me twice kind of thing. Wow. That's really interesting. So it, so the, 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 it sounds great. Is there any other area? Oh, somebody scored. I can hear it. Somebody must have scored at your kid. Are you at one of your kids' games? I love it. I am. I'm at my son's baseball team. I love yeah. it. I love it. Hopefully it was his team that just scored. Um, it was, yeah. Good, good. So is there any other area that really stood out to you? Um, I mean, gosh, if he scored that high in, in all of the areas, what else really stands out to you about Justin Fields' uh, score on your test with the athletic intelligence quotient? Yeah, so another really high score was his ability to know where he was in relation to space. So, again, mm a quarterback who rolls out of the pocket, a mobile quarterback who has to identify where the first down marker is. Like, um, it really lends nicely to a quarterback who has to like recalibrate. So rolls out of the pocket or steps up in the pocket to adjust to maybe the, you know, maybe the pocket's collapsing. So they step up to buy a little bit more time and then has to recalibrate to where everything is. So it really, it's a nice profile for a lot of reasons, you know, no weaknesses, a lot of identified strengths, one score that's superior. And it's also like it's right in the right places, which is really neat. So one area that is interesting with Justin Fields is that one of the knocks on him going into the draft was that uh, he doesn't go through his reads and his progressions. So when he scores so well on actually being able to process information, um, acquire the information, which is what we were talking about is what intelligence is. How does that, like, what are the other factors that, that can attribute why maybe there wasn't success on the field? There's so many other things that have to take place. It's not just the quarterback being able to assess the information in front of him, correct? Yeah, so it goes back to the four buckets, right, that we were talking about earlier. And so I think sometimes it's about knowing where your missing keys are. Like, you know, if you don't know where your keys are, knowing, you know, knowing where they're not can be just as important as knowing where they are. So if the missing key metaphor is knowing why someone might fail to execute a task, and you go, well, it's not in the intelligence bucket, it must be in one of the other three buckets that can help explain. So it could be an experience issue or it could be an effort issue. It's one of those kinds of things. So do you know his scores off the top of your head from, I know you said he had a 130, which was the highest in one area. Do you know? That was the learning efficiency score. Yeah. Okay. Do you know his scores in the other, the other areas of the test? Sure. I mean, but to go buy them one by one, I mean, there's 15 of them. So I oh, was gosh. just really kind of highlighting some <laughs> of the ones that were most important, you know? So wow. My son just got a hit. Yay. <laughs> yes. Yay. Yeah. There you go. Yes. So, um, so, so, 
Yes. Yeah. So go. So go ahead with the, the I, fifteen different areas that he is actually that he is tested in. What else would be interesting to Bears fans or to coaches to to know that this was an area that he excelled in, or maybe an area? I mean, if he did that well in all the areas, then there's not a lot to be too concerned about. It sounds like. Well, again, remember it's one bucket versus four buckets. So I always think about the idea of um, I always think about the idea that it's a combination of all four buckets. And so uh, I think the thing that I would uh, sorry, I got a little distracted there. Can you ask that question again? And is yeah. it something you can kind of edit here a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was asking about whether or not um, there the other fourteen or fifteen areas that he is tested in. Um, is there anything else that stands out to you that teams, you know, like the Bears, would want to be aware of not only where he excels, but in areas where um, he could improve? Although it sounds like of the 15 areas, he did, what would you say, like good or very good in most of them? Correct. So I think what would be really cool for the Bears is, when you have a profile that's strong, it's about all the things that you can do. So let's take it outside of the quarterback position, right? Like let's just say we're talking about um, a running back or a defensive end. Sometimes if they have a low profile, it's really like for the defensive end, it's just, hey, see ball, hit ball. But if the defensive end has a really strong AIQ profile, you're like, you know what, now we can do stunts. We can do some pretty exotic uh, blitz packages. Yep. We can even go in maybe like a zone blitz. So I think one of the things that's really kind of nice is um, you'll see this sometimes with rookie quarterbacks is they might simplify the playbook or they might, you know, only have like, you know, one read and go or some of those other kinds of things. But when you have a cognitive profile that's really strong, you get to do some really exciting and exotic things. And I think that ultimately makes you harder to, to, to scout against. It makes you hard. Like, you know, the more you can do dynamic things, the more dynamic things you can do. <laughs> well, and one of the areas that the the Bears had an issue with in the past was um, the, uh, I guess the the learning curve took a little bit longer than had expected with a past quarterback, and so they were unable to really open up the playbook, and they had to keep it really streamlined for him. So. Um, in a very general sense, if Justin Fields has tested so well in his ability to process information, acquire information, uh, they should be able to give him the playbook. And, you know, execution is a whole other thing. But not knowing the plays is really something that shouldn't be a problem with him. And he may be able to get a little bit more practice with the ones than had anticipated in a rookie year. I know that's a yeah. lot, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, here would be my responses. Um, I really want Justin Fields to be successful, not because of his AIQ scores, just because I like all people to be successful. I know you can't have everybody be successful because every game has a winner and a loser, but I'm cheering for everybody to give their best effort and have their best output. So I think the one thing I want to be cautious about is I think it's important to acknowledge that he did well on this test. But I also think it's important to acknowledge that this test is not meant to be a prediction. Mm. It's just a description. And I say that because think about the flip side to your statement where you're going, 
oh, what you're saying is this AIQ score suggests he can do anything. Well, if he struggles, I don't think it will be because of his AIQ scores. It'll be because of one of the other three buckets. But he might struggle. He might have a learning curve. And I think what's of importance there is um, to be supportive. Because, um, again, I have a tendency to advocate for the player and for the coaches and stuff. And there's a learning curve. I know from a fan base, especially one that's as passionate and as loyal as the Bears fan base, and how much you all deserve some success. I think that there's also a point of saying, hey, let's not, let's, let's temper our expectations. And just because he had a good AIQ score or a great AIQ score, it, it, he still is a young man who's in a learning phase and yeah. in a transition phase. So sure. I, I'd rather just cheer for him and say that there's a lot of good and a lot of hope, but there's still a lot of work to be done. I love it. We're cheering as well. Dr. Scott Goldman, Director of Performance Psychology for Athletic Intelligence Measures and the Athletic Intelligence Quotient Test as well. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you. We are thrilled that we were able to talk a little bit more specifically about Justin Fields' scores as well. So I do have one last question for you, and and thank you, Dr. Goldman, for taking the time to join us and and explain the Athletic Intelligence Quotient Test uh, that you administer. You are the sports psychologist for the Detroit Lions, correct? I was, yes. Oh, you were. Okay. I was going to say, so were you consulting other teams at the same time? I mean, at that point, you know, do you work with anyone else that's in the the same division as the Lions or, but you're not working with them anymore, correct? Yeah. So when I was with the Lions, uh, there was a request from them to not, So um, that's a really good question, and it's kind of a complicated answer, but I'll do the best I can to explain. Um, What I discovered was helpful was to separate and create two companies. Mm. There There was a company that was Scott Goldman Sports Psychologist, and then there was a company that was Athletic Intelligence Measures, which helps the AIQ. So when I was with the Detroit Lions, there was two contracts there. One was Scott Goldman, a sports psychologist, and the other was the AIQ contract. Got it. Now, with the Lions, they did make a request that I not share or sell the AIQ with other entities within the division. But I did have permission to do it outside the division. So, um you know, like this year we were under contract with seven NFL teams. Last year we were under contract with seven as well. Um, and the Lions were aware of that and they were comfortable with it. And the other teams were aware that I was an in-house provider, an embedded member of the Detroit Lions. And you go, gosh, like, how does that work? Because mm-hmm. it's sort of like, how does that pass the sniff test? Right. Right. And. What like you, I like you told, say, yes, Bears, go ahead, take Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> right. And, 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 and so the way that I resolved that was I had an honest dialogue with the coaches and with the GMs where I said, look, if I tell you about the draft boards of some of your competitors, at some point you're going to start to wonder, is he telling our competitors about our draft board? Right. And so there was almost this kind of like mutually assured destruction. 
as well as a level of trust and honesty and transparency with the people that I had forged relationships with where I said, I'm not going to tell anyone what we're talking about. And that was an easy thing for me to do because of the nature of my job and my training, which has a lot to do with compartmentalization of information. You know, like when it comes to being a psychologist, you're bound by rules of, of HIPAA and yeah. confidentiality and ethical code. So, so what would happen was every once in a while, someone would say, are you telling team X about our board? And I'd say, of course not. If I do that, don't you think you're going to start wondering who's, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and so it became a really easy resolution. And what's been really interesting is because of the level of trust that the teams have with um, our company and myself, I happen to have access. Like this year, I had pretty good in-depth knowledge of seven draft boards. I mean, I I didn't have, like, if you were to say, hey, who is Team X picking? I couldn't do that. But I can tell you which players were of interest and intrigue because we would have in-depth dialogue about them. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a lot of information to know. That is yeah. really to be a fly in the on the wall. Wow, that is that's it's so interesting, Dr. Goldman. I, I could go on and on forever about this, but um, if you are interested in some of Dr. Goldman's work with the Athletic Intelligence Quotient Test, you can follow him on Twitter at Scott Goldman PhD. Uh, this is just so interesting. I love that it it's not just NFL, it's not just quarterbacks, it's multi-position, it's Major League Baseball, NBA, soccer, NHL. I think it's great. It's such an interesting way to approach whether or not an athlete uh, may have the capabilities or over-exceed capabilities that you didn't think you know he had maybe uh, to play a position or to play a specific sport. So parents should be interested in this as well. Uh, Dr. Goldman, thank you again for your time. Thank you for joining the podcast. Oh, it was a treat. Thank you so much for the opportunity. All right, what do you think about that? I think (laughs) even more so about Justin Fields, what I did when we first drafted him and Needless to say, whether it be this year or next year, I'm just so happy that the Bears finally have a quarterback that knows what he's doing. And based on what Dr. Goldman said, really, really, really knows what he's doing. It's really exciting. And now when people are like, people need to calm down about Justin Fields. Um, actually, no, you do not. Now, yes, there's other factors. Like he talked about the bucket and it's about his athleticism. And what about the other guys on the field that they're going to surround him with? You know, it's what about the defense, you know, uh, the coaching, there are obviously other factors, but what stood out to me was his spatial awareness is phenomenal. His ability to learn and to react is off the charts. So that means if he sees a play, if he sees a defensive front he hadn't seen before, he may take a sack the first time, but the second time he knows it. Uh, it, That is something that the Bears have not had with Mitch Trubisky. His ability to learn large amounts is amazing. Again, you don't have to cut down the playbook now 
for Justin Fields. He has the capability to learn it. The key is going to be how quickly. I'm excited. I'm more excited now coming out of that interview. So with that being said, Jason, do you have any predictions? I, of course, have three predictions. So my predictions for this episode, number one, Right now, we are middle of May, Major League Baseball season. The White Sox are in first place with the best record in baseball. So two of my predictions are going to go to the White Sox. And number one, I'm going to say that of the star-studded starting rotation that everyone thought, Giolito, Keuchel, and Lynn, that's the best three-headed monster in all of baseball. Actually, the one all-star that I'm going to predict from the White Sox rotation is going to be Carlos Rodon. At where things stand right now, he's 5-0 and with an ERA under .5. This guy's been ridiculous all season. Been injured just about every season up to this one. It'll be so cool to finally see him get his chance. I'll be stunned if Carlos Rodon is not an all-star. Number two for the White Sox. I'm going to say right now, and I'm kind of riding high because as we're recording this, they're on a six-game winning streak and have swept back-to-back division opponents. It's a very exciting time on the south side. Um, I'm going to say that this is going to be the year where the White Sox break their uh, franchise win total record, which is 100 in 2005, or I believe, was it 99 or 100 in 2005? I I, I, I just got to interrupt you because typically I know I'm not supposed to react to your predictions, but if they didn't get off to that start that they did, I would agree with you. And I went really high on the, the win predictions for them, too. But it was their start that worried me. Yeah, well, so you have to look at the division. You have to look at the division. Predictions. You don't have to explain everything. So (laughs) I I, I hope you're right. I I don't see this team losing a series to a division opponent the rest of the year. The division's just so weak from top to bottom. I know I don't have to explain it, but I feel like it needs to be said. The AL Central's horrible. Sucks. So it's it's really bad, aside from the White Sox, obviously. Um, Okay. Okay, third. (laughs) So um, prediction number three for me is um, I'm going to say that the Bulls are going to do a massive sort of retooling slash rebuilding. I don't think that they can rebuild again because this rebuild has just completely fell flat. But right now, they need to win out and they need the Wizards to lose out in order just to make the play-in tournament. So, in other words, it's not going to happen. And you have now Nikola Vucevic, who's been fine in Chicago. Zach Levine, who's been great. What do the Bulls do? Here's what I think they're going to do. I think that they're going to shake it up. I think that they're going to keep Levine and Vucevic, and then everybody else is gone. Kobe White, gone. Laurie Markkinen, gone. Patrick Williams, is he safe? I don't know. The Bulls need to completely shake up that roster, because with no first-round pick in this upcoming draft, which is a really strong draft, which is why I was against them trading the first for Vucevic, um, the Bulls have a lot of work to do, and I think that they're going to do that work. Don't quite know who's going to go. Don't know who they're going to try to pull in, but maybe we'll see Lonzo Ball in Chicago around Vucevic and Levine and a completely new Bulls team running out to a full United Center in the fall. All right. All right. Here's my final thoughts. So it's really, really hard not to get excited about the future of Justin Fields with the Bears. I'm sorry. It really is. And we have talked about this ad nauseum. 33 quarterbacks the Bears have gone through, while the Packers had just two in the past 29 years. Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Okay, yes, we all know this. This, while we had to watch this merry-go-rounder, you know, I should call it, actually, I should call it a hamster wheel of signal callers wearing George Hallis' traditional Bears uniform. Since 92, when Brett Favre emerged with Mike Holmgren in Green Bay, the Bears had, yes, I'm going to go through it again. Because I have covered 
All of them. All of them. Jim Harbaugh, P.T. Willis, Will Fuhrer, Steve Walsh, Eric Kramer, Dave Craig, Rick Meyer, Steve Stenstrom, Moses Moreno, Kate McDown, Jim Miller, Shane Matthews, Chris Chandler, Henry Burris, Cordell Stewart, Rex Grossman, Craig Krenzel, Chad Hutchinson, Jonathan Quinn, Kyle Orton, Brian Greasy, Jay Cutler, Todd Collins, Caleb Haney, <laughs> Josh McCown, Jason Campbell, Jimmy Clausen, Matt Barkley, Brian Hoyer, Mike Lennon, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, Nick Foles. Number 34 is going to be Andy Dalton because he is going to start. But if the data... When that, is it on? I know that Dr. Goldman shows us about Justin Fields. Hopefully, hopefully the list will end at number 35 with Justin Fields. I am praying. And then we can tuck it away. You know, you talk about how many times you have had to uh, watch the White Sox without a playoff win. We call those the ghosts of White Sox past. Well, those- All of those guys that you cannot have on a winning team. And even though we have the best record in baseball right now, there are still some of the ghosts of White Sox past on the roster. Okay, th- wait. It's my turn. Those are the ghosts of the Bears past, okay? Can we please can we please have an exorcism at 1920 Hallis Drive in Lake Forest? And please, please have a quarterback that is a franchise quarterback like they have up north in Green Bay. Not for long. All real right. quick. You know how they have that? There's that real big like internet joke about the Cleveland Browns jersey with all the quarterback yeah. last names on it. How, why has no one made one for the Bears? We should do that. Let's do it. And we can sell it. We can put the Sportscaster and Sun logo on it. It'll be great. Pull in some revenue. Totally. Make me some money for uh, for school in the fall. Oh, my God. That's a great idea. All right. Anyways, let's say our goodbyes. So our thanks, as always, to Adam Yaffe, a new year, but the same professional expertise he gives us in guiding the show. And Aldo Gandhi in the Barroom Network. You can check us out there on Podbean and wherever you get your audio. All right, and again, you guys, our thanks to Dr. Scott Goldman as well. What an interesting conversation we had with him from the um, Director of Performance Psychology for Athletic Intelligence Measures, and he's the one who administers the Athletic Intelligence Quotient Test. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Goldman, Ph.D. Thank you. Never mind. That was your part, Mom. Don't forget you can find our podcast website at thesportscasterinnerson.com and on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest as well. Thank you, everybody. Like I said, we are over our 16,000. Actually, we're going to hit 20,000 pretty soon. How exciting is that? 18.5 listeners so far. Thousand, of course. So we want to get to the 20,000 mark. So please help us out. Tell your friends, download, like us, repost on Apple, Podbean, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and of course, wherever you may listen. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Jim Harbaugh, P.T. Willis, Will Fuhrer, Steve Walsh, Eric Kramer, Dave Craig, Rick Meyer, Steve Stenstrom, Moses Moreno, Kate McDown, Jim Miller, Shane Matthews. Chris Chandler, Henry Burris, Cordell Stewart, Rex Grossman, Craig Krenzel, Chad Hutchinson, Jonathan Quinn, Kyle Orton, Brian Greasy, Jay Cutler, Todd Collins, Caleb Haney, (laughs) Josh McCown, Jason Campbell, Jimmy Clausen, Matt Barkley, 
Brian Hoyer, Mike Lennon, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, Nick Foles. The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.